from Jerusalem. This is General Ike, building Jerusalem. Our guest today is Mugoya Shadrach Levi. Shadrach is the spiritual leader of the Jewish community of Namutumba in eastern Uganda. He's currently studying in Jerusalem. It's a pleasure to have you on the show, Shadrach. Thank you so much. The Abu Yudaya Jews of Uganda trace their roots back to one man, Semei Kakungulu. He is quite a remarkable man with quite a remarkable tale. Perhaps we could start with his story. Yes, please. Semeika uh, Kunguru was a Christian and he also was working in the government. He studied the Bible as he was a, re a leader in the Christian movement and he discovered some points where Christians were not celebrating accordingly. Like uh, the Christians were not circumcising and the Bible recommends Britmila and he said asked his friends when I read in the Bible it talks about circumcision and uh, we are not practicing it. Why? Then his friends said Oh no, those are Jews, Christians, we don't do that. He said, then Jews might be the right people doing, practicing what God wants us to do. So, and then they told him, but if you do that, you will not be our follower. He said, okay. Then he started learning more about the Bible, comparing the New Testament and the Old Testament. And then he expected to conquer the whole Eastern Uganda, but because of his behaviors in observing, they said, you cannot, because you are acting as a Jewish person. He said that if you think so, then I am. He de one time he declared himself Jewish and in 1919 he circumcised himself and he circumcised his sons and other people were circumcised and later on Judaism started by him. So all the modern Abayudaya Jews in Uganda trace themselves back to this man? Exactly, in 1919. Has the Judaism that you practice shifted or changed since then? Yes, Judaism has changed in the way that the way it was practiced area with little knowledge, right now many of us have gone to schools, we have interacted with as a rabbis, as a friends from different countries, and so we have 
learned a lot and we are still learning more about Judaism. Before that, we were just tracing Judaism in the books. We didn't have many friends who can teach us a lot about Judaism. Wow. Your particular story started with uh, quite a bit of sorrow. You were orphaned at a young age and raised by your uncle. What was life like when you were a child? My life when I was a child was terrible after the death of my parents. I went through a very, very difficult life to the extent that one time I wanted to hang myself because I was like, I couldn't manage the life. I'm the elder of my siblings and we were tortured by the stepmom. One time I went to school early morning and when I came back in the evening I'd not eaten anything and I was told to go and fetch water. When I came back and I had to travel actually for like two hours, carried a 20 liter gel can of water. Then when I came back they told me to go and fetch firewood. I did that. Then Again, I was told to go back and fetch water to walk more two hours again. Then I said, Mom, I'm so tired. Please excuse me, I will not manage. So she started caning me to the extent that my eye was flowing blood. Then I was feeling actually a terrible life and I got a rope. I said, I'd rather die because I'm like useless in this world. So I got a rope, I went somewhere, I went under the manga tree, then I tied up the, the rope. Then when I wanted to put the rope into my neck, I was like hearing sound, I was like, maybe there's someone coming to see me, maybe there's... Then I, I remained standing. Later on, I sat down and I felt asleep. When I woke up, I had changed all my minds and I did not hang myself. So I grew up in that. When I came back, my siblings were crying, but I pretended like I did not cry at all. Then I asked me, where have you been? I said, well, I have been there in the field, but I'm okay. Then they said, really? I said, yes. We have been crying for you, what, what? Then I told them, please keep quiet. And let's remain strong. Let's remain in the hands of God. One time we will overcome this situation. So I came up with the advice to my siblings that we should look for people's fields to go and cultivate for them so that we can get some money to take to school and also to get what to eat. We started doing that and later on life went on like that, like that until we managed it. How did you come to know Rabbi Eri Kadiwa? Uh, I knew Rabbi Eri Kadiwa from my childhood. When my parents passed away, 
we were praying in the synagogue and as our, our leader, our spiritual leader. So, in 2003, he told me, let's go to Mbale and join high school. I told him, I don't have any means of sponsorship. And I said, don't mind, everything will be okay. I said, okay. So we went to Mbale and actually he was a great support, supporter. He supported me in many ways. He taught me from my childhood, Judaism, and when I reached there, I started studying. And eventually, I won. Rabbi Eri was the, uh, he was the spiritual leader of the Jewish community of Namutumba before you. Yes, please. How was it that he came to name you as his successor? Uh, actually, it was on Shabbat that this rabbi of mine said, I have a special announcement. And all of us were like, what a special announcement? We were eager to hear the special announcement. I said, today I'm retiring from being the spiritual leader of this community. And I have been mentoring most of the youth in this community, but I have chosen one whom I'm going to pronounce as the new spiritual leader of this community. And all of us didn't have any idea who. Then he said, I have three requirements of the person I'm going to declare today. One must have studied some Judaism. And actually, three of us had ever been, as his students, we have ever been students to the chief rabbi of Uganda, so when the, the yeshiva. And he also said, must have a degree from a secular education. Three of us in the community had degrees. And lastly, he said, must have a Jewish fiancé because mothers are the, like they are the ones who can make a Jewish home. So he said, for sure, I was the only one who was a Jewish fiancé. And said, Shadrach, please stand up and say also, Naomi, please stand up. Shadrach, from today onwards, you are the rabbi of this community. And everyone was so um, so excited. And they, we started singing Mazal Tov, Simitov, and they were carrying me up. And they, we had a very exciting moment. It must have been a wonderful day for you. It was very wonderful. And it was out of my mind, so I didn't know that one time I'll be. But from my childhood, I was like admiring. Wherever I would sit behind, watch him delivering the Torah, uh, 
leading services, I was like, I wish maybe one time I can be like that one. When I could go to the headquarter, I could see the chief rabbi, and I was like admiring. But I, I didn't know how I can come to that. So this was like an amazing. And I was very, very excited for that. And still I'm very, very excited. When you were named successor, that was the beginning of a, an entirely different life for you. When I was given this obligation in 2014, then I started leading as the rabbi, as the new rabbi, and looking for means to study more. Because I wasn't, no, I wasn't a rabbi yet. So in my community, they would call me rabbi up to date. They call me rabbi. They fear to call me my name, Shadrach. Because they know I'm an, a very important person in their lives. So they say, our rabbi, our rabbi. So actually, when I was named the new leader of this community, it changed everything. And it led me to knowing much in this world. So what are your duties like as rabbi of Nambutumba? Uh, my duties include reading services, reading from the Torah, giving the Dvar Torah, conducting Bab and the Batimist vote. Could you describe what uh, an average day might look like for you? When I wake up in the morning, yeah. the first thing I do in the morning before I plan going to the garden is to pray. I tie my tefri and pray. And we also have some days, actually two days in a week, that we come together for morning minyan. That's Monday and Thursday. So that is like a normal day. I pray in the morning for like other days that we can't come together. I wake up in the morning, I tie my frame, I pray, then I go to the garden, I do other kind of, kinds of work. Then I wait for like minuch. I also pray. Then when in the evening, I, I don't always play Mariv, but I, when I'm going to bed, I pray. And in between the prayers and the, you said you work in the garden? Mm -hmm. Is that in a as a farming? Yes, please. So, even though you're a rabbi of the community, you still participate in the general farming duties. Yes, because that's where I get what to eat. <laughs> I don't have a job, and being the rabbi of my community, I'm not paid. It's like I'm volunteering because my community members don't have money to pay. What What is your community like? What's life like there? Mm, my community is actually being in the deep, deep in the village. We don't have running water, we don't have electricity. So, life is very hard. Actually, most of the members don't, can't afford to have three meals a day. Like uh, breakfast, lunch, then supper. No, most of the members have one meal a day. 
because when they wake up in the morning they run to the garden to the, for farming and they come back at around one or two then they look for means of cooking which takes hours and so they can have what you do call lunch at around four and that's breakfast lunch and supper wow. you've been studying here in the conservative yeshiva recently to increase your knowledge of judaism yes but it's taken you a while to get here it's been a difficult road mm-hmm. when did that journey start for you and what's it been like from then till now uh, i'm very proud to be here and studying at the conservative yeshiva i thank hashem for that for sure it's not easy at all to come to israel even to go to any other country from uganda because you have to have money and we are looked at as people as think as a problem to or as a threat to other countries because we are poor so other countries think when we go there we will remain and not go back to our country i started dreaming of coming to israel seven years ago when i applied for aliyah before i was even given the obligation as a rabbi but it couldn't come true and uh, actually in 2017 when i went to united states that's when i was given the advice that maybe it would be easier for me to apply for the student visa to come to israel so i applied while i was in new york i went to israel consulate in new york and uh, i was given actually i was taken to 13th, 13th floor where I was checked thoroughly to the extent of asking me to remove my trouser and I had to remove my trouser for checking. I don't know what they thought maybe that maybe I'd kept in my trouser or in my thigh something. I don't know why they did all that. But eventually I was fortunate that I was given the visa, the student visa, and later on I was very excited. So you applied for Aliyah seven years ago? Yeah. And when did you actually, when were you called in for an Aliyah interview? Uh, in 2017, September, when I came in Israel, I wrote to them and said, it has been a fair while, while you are telling me, you wait, hold on, hold on. I have got the chance and I'm here. I would like to come there and talk to you and see me, if possible. Then their response was, you are, co- you are being called for an interview. So they we scheduled a day and time and I had to go for the interview and they, when I reached there they told me to renew my application 
I renewed my application and they asked me so many questions. One of the questions that I can recall is when did you do your conversion? I told them and they also asked me how did the conversion take place? Did the rabbis who came from Israel and the United States just came specifically for the interview? I mean for the conversion? Or there was some kind of teaching before? I told them that you cannot just go and convert someone, but the first thing to is to teach. You teach, ask questions, and get to know, oh, this person now qualifies for the conversion. So exactly, that's what they first did. Said, okay. Then last year they said, we'll get back to you later on. That's what I'm still waiting. I don't know when. <laughs> yeah. Why do you think it's been such a long process? I think it's all about racism because they are like not trusting us as Jewish people. They are still doubting us. So probably maybe they are still studying us, maybe what, but that's something that doesn't please us at all. Because Judaism is from the heart of someone. You might be born Jewish, but when your Jewishness is little, and someone who had just converted when he has a lot of covenant about Judaism. So, probably, hopefully one time, we'll be recognized and that kind of doubt will be maybe off. You've been living here now in, in Jerusalem a few months. How are you finding it here as compared to life in Uganda? Um, life in Israel is so amazing. To the extent that when you are in Israel, you feel at home. You feel the land that, you just, that we read actually from the Bible. The land of Israel. So when you are here, you are exactly connected to Hashem. You can put on your kippah without anything. You can wear the frame, you can wear tarit, you can actually observe Kashrut is not a problem as compared to Uganda. Because in Uganda, with Kashrut it is complicated. You either, if you want to eat meat, buy maybe a goat and it's rotten, or just forego eating meat. So life in Uganda is actually complicated, very hard as compared to the life of Israel. You're saying in Uganda if you want to eat meat, kosher meat, you have to buy your own goat and slaughter it? Yeah. Wow. Because there is no way you can just go and buy kosher meat. Would you say, when you look to the future, right, with, the, with your community, how do you see uh, things changing? What, what are your challenges that you see as spiritual leader of your community? Um, as a spiritual leader, I see that in the future I'm seeing a very good Judaism in my community. Judaism is going to be very fantastic. 
and uh, actually I, the challenge I see is that there are so many people who want to convert and join us but we are now like uh, fast studying people because as I said before we cannot just convert people that come and join us come and join us like Christians who can go on the street and preach we don't do that uh, probably when I get my ordination I see that uh, Judaism will continue growing because right now we are teaching people in the community Judaism I'm teaching Hebrew I'm teaching the misvot so I see that in the future we will have a strong 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 Judaism in Uganda we just call upon Israel to trust us <laughs> to give trust in us and to fully recognize us as Jews. You say fully recognize you as Jews. There's been uh, some recognition in the past few years, is that right? Yes, please. In 2015, actually, we were recognized as Jews in Uganda. But again, there are some challenges of allowing us to come to Israel. And we, uh, we wonder what kind of recognition is that? You feel like it wasn't a full recognition? I feel like uh, it was not full recognition, actually. Because if it was a full recognition, would be allowed to come here, would be allowed to make aliyah, and stay in Israel as Jews, as our home country. You said there are a lot of people who are trying to convert right now. Mm -hmm. You mean in Uganda specifically, there are people who are trying to join the Abba Yudaya Jews? Yeah, there are so many people who want to join us because of our characters, because of the way we behave. And the, when they see us, actually I want to let you know that there are few criminals, otherwise I haven't even recognized, from the Jews people. But in other movements, other like Christians, Muslims, you hear Pastor so and so was caught in this, which isn't the case to the Jewish people. So many people admire us because of our behaviors, because of our unity, and because of our development. The association, like we are associated to other people. We don't like discriminate other people. We see ourselves as as like Jews and Christians and Muslims as people of God. So we don't want to discriminate ourselves from other kinds of people. So like like Muslims, Christians in Uganda, we don't have any problem with anyone. That's we are mixed up Muslims, Jews, Christians, we stay in the same community and go to the same wells, share the same properties, share the same schools. Like we have a Jewish school in my community, but we have many, many Muslims and many Christians as compared to Jews. 
So when they see that, they say, oh, these people are very good. And so they, they want to join us. I uh, read that there aren't many uh, places of worship in Namutumba in eastern Uganda where you're from, but there are a synagogue and there are, is a church and a mosque all in the same village. Mm-hmm. That, to you, there is, uh, it's easy to, to live alongside peoples of different faith? It's very easy because previously those years were called Christ killers. But when they got to know that Jews are good people, now we are at peace with everyone. We don't have any challenge. We don't have any problem with Muslims, with Christians, with any other people. When, so, when you say you don't have any problems, you mean you don't have problems with them and they don't have problems with you either? Exactly. You don't feel discriminated against in no, Uganda? No, please. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. What was... Because I can give an example. The chief rabbi of Uganda is a member of parliament. And member he of wa- parliament? Yes. And he was elected by most of the non-Jewish people. Christians, Muslims, because we are, we are the minor, we are very few. And we couldn't make him to go to the parliament. But because we collaborate with other people, he was elected to parliament. Why do you think the chief rabbi was elected? Um, parliament. I think the chief rabbi was elected to parliament because being nice to other people. <laughs> <laughs> As I said, that Jews are very nice to other people in Uganda, and that's why they entrusted him to parliament as wow. a good representative. Would you like to run for chief rabbi yourself someday? To become a, a member of parliament? Or, or to become chief rabbi? Uh, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, still young, I'm still a younger, even if I get my smicha, I will be still a younger rabbi who will, be, who will need more experience to reach the extent of a chief rabbi. So I think even if I get my ordination, I will continue studying, learning, to get, because learning does not end. Sure. So I will continue learning to get more, more knowledge about Judaism. Is there something from your learning that you, you would feel comfortable sharing with us? Maybe a favorite story or something that is meaningful to you? From my learning? Yeah. Uh, Actually, I can share a story how I, I got my to a rabbinic school. Sure. When I was given the obligation of being the new leader in my community, I applied to many, many, many rabbinic schools, but I could not get the answer. And I had to start contacting individuals, friends. I contacted one of my friends called Rachel, and she told me you can try Aleph, Alliance for Jewish Renewal. And I said, okay, probably I would be happy to do that if you send me their contacts. 
Then she said, sorry, I don't have their contacts, but you can go to Google. I did that, I got their contacts, and uh, I applied. Actually, they were nice people, and they are very nice people, I should say. They welcomed me, they interviewed me, and they were, some of them were surprised to hear they are Jews, they are Jews in Uganda. And they invited me to United States in 2015. For sure, I had never stepped into a plane. I'd never gone to any other country. I, I, have never be, I had never been outside Uganda. When I got the invitation, I was like, wow, I've got United States, where I've been hearing as the superpower country. I said, okay, I applied for the visa. Jembas said, no, sorry, we can't give you the visa to US. You don't have enough qualifications, enough requirements actually to, to go to USA. I told them, they said, no, you apply again. And that's all money. Every application is money. I reapplied. Then they said, sorry, no. Then they told him, go there again. For the third time, they said, okay, you are insisting, so go back home and we will call you. Actually, there was, there was another person from the community of the headquarters who had also gone for the visa interview. They asked him, do you know this young man? He said, yes. Is he one of the spiritual leaders of the Jews in Uganda? He said, yes. He, looked, he looks young. He said, yes, he's young, but he's one of the spiritual leaders. I said, okay. Then, it was on a Friday in the morning, I received an email that you are visa can be approved bring your passport i rushed with a lot of excitement i took my passport then they told me come back next week <laughs> when i went next week they said sorry the network is down and they said you wait I went again another day. The network is still down. Ugh. It took another week. And late, last they gave me the passport with the visa. I want to let you know that when I got the visa and more and went to United States, I was very amazed. And when I met many rabbis, I was encouraged with my faith. Because they told me, you can make it. Don't underlook yourself, don't undermine yourself. You can make it. And you will become a rabbi. 
continue studying very hard. We know life, we hear life in Uganda is not easy, but you have been there, you will make it. And I was like, wow, what a strong statement. Because my director, my mentor, gave me a, a, a really much, much encouragement. And I said, okay, thank you so much. And everyone was so welcoming. I went to so many snuggles. I was, I went to conservative show. I went to renewal. I went to reform. And I also went to orthodox. And I was very amazed. Very, very excited. What was your experience of visiting these different synagogues? Um, my experience was I found Judaism wherever I went. I can't say that these people is, I mean this movement is where Judaism is, but wherever I went I found Judaism. Because in the renewal, in the, renew, in the reform, the, I also went to reconstructionist, in the conservative, in the orthodox, I found Judaism. Everywhere you went? Everywhere I went, I found Judaism. What does that mean to you to find Judaism? I found Jewish people. And I found everyone practicing Judaism. So I was like, I'm, I'm under conservative, so I'm in the right path. I was like, oh, maybe I should join this movement. Maybe I should join this movement is the best. No. I'm studying in the renewal, but still I see there's Judaism. Yeah. Do you remember what it was like your first day when you arrived in America? Oh, yes. I remember from the very beginning of entering the plane. Because when I was at the airport, they asked me the first question, have you ever been to any other country? I said, no. I said, oh, you are going to United States? Yes. Can you give us the address where you are going? I had written because my director said, they might ask you this. So I had written somewhere, because in Uganda we don't have the address. If someone asks, where do you live? You say, I live in this place. Can you give me the address? No, we don't have address. If I live in Emekrofaim, that is the place. You don't say the number, the address, okay, of this number, of this street. No, we don't have that. So. I gave them the address, said, okay. Then I could ask everything. I could associate with people because I have never been anywhere. I didn't know where I'm going. I didn't know anybody. So I entered into the plane. My first thing when I sat down was to recite Shema and Shachikian because I was like, and when the plane started, I was like, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> <laughs> then when I reached 
to United States. It was in the evening and it was on Friday. I went for Kabbalah Shabbat and it was really amazing. People were, oh, actually almost everyone was wearing white. singing, dancing, and in, after that, we went for dinner, and it was unbelievable, unbelievable. That was the first, first thing I had never experienced. Because I never, a lot of food, a lot of food, and I could not believe. I said, wow, wow, wine, what? I was like, Oh my God. So then the then other thing that I experienced was when I went, when they showed me the bedroom. Wow. I was given a bed that I had never slept on in my life. You'd never slept on a bed? On a very, very, very good bed. I can give an example like this one. It was never. I was never. It was my first time. Wow. And also, shower. When I went for a shower, they taught me this, the toilet. You can do this. If you want hot water, you can do this. It was like, wow. Just changing. Then hot water is coming. And I was like, oh my God. This is very easy life. Cooking takes minutes. <laughs> In Uganda, you take hours. It's like, eh, you have water in the house. You have almost everything within the house. The refrigerator, if you want cold water. If you want ice water, if you want what, everything is there. That's not the case in Uganda. I say, Okay, so it was really amazing and a very good experience. And when I went back to Uganda, it was very hard to explain. But I tried to tell people. And that's why whenever I'm going out of my country, people think I'm going to get a lot of money. Because in Uganda, we have a misconception that white people are rich. If you come to Uganda, many Ugandans will recognize you as a rich person. To some extent, it is true. Because the life you live in here is very expensive as compared to life in Uganda. Do you have a message that you want to share with the world? Yeah. <clears throat> I would like to call upon everyone in this world that patience is the best. That patience is the best? Yeah. In whatever you do, be patient. At the end, you will win. That's the only message I can tell people. In Uganda, we have been patient since 1919. We have not won, but I'm very sure we will win. 
as recognized people, as recognized Jews actually in Uganda. Because at first we didn't know anyone from other countries. But I'm seeing a win very soon because we have people have started talking about us as Jews of Uganda. So it means we have been patient enough and we are still patient and soon glory is in our hands. Shadrach, it's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thank you so much. Thanks to Perrin Walker and Daniel Kenny. This is General Ike, Building Jerusalem.